Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. We're going to get into this. We're in this homecoming series. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, coming home to a, a faith and a, a hope that's worth sharing. And so uh, wanna, I wonder how many of you uh, out here would admit that you love to get a good cry in every once in a while. Uh, raise your hand if you love to get a good cry in. Mostly, see, females are usually ones that are like, I'm not afraid to say that. I, I cried just because I woke up this morning. It was awesome. And the guys are like, I've never cried before in my life. Well, guess what? I have, and I enjoy it. It's good. Sometimes you just got to let out a good cry, and it's just it's like the world feels better. Uh, I did that a little too much my senior year of high school because my wife, who wasn't my wife yet, but she was off at college and I was still at high school. I remember one time I was driving home from the first time I, met, I visited her at, at UW Lacrosse. Had a four-hour drive home, and I played a song that her and I would listen to every now and then, and I was singing it. I played it over and over like eight, ten times in a row, and I just cried the whole time. <laughs> I'm such a loser. I am. I know. Um, I don't know if I actually ever told her about that, and she's not here today. She's coming home from Minneapolis right now, and I'm glad she didn't hear that because I don't want her to think worse of me. But uh, so yeah, I admit, I admit, not too afraid about crying. And here's the thing: life sometimes it's full of moments where it's tough for us to find hope. Um, you know, driving home from from visiting her at school, like I just was filled with this. Oh my goodness, this is this is the worst thing ever. I, I don't get to see her, and I, I like her a lot. I'm wondering if you, if you come across moments like that in your life on a, on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis uh, where, where the hope just kind of is dissipating. Does anybody get the Sunday night blues? You know that it's the blues of I have to go to work the next day or maybe you're in school. Actually, I got it worse when I was in, when I was in school. I was like, I have to go to school next day and I hate that place. Um, it's the, the Sunday night blues. Maybe experiencing friction in a relationship that feels like that it's just not going to pass. Uh, not comprehending how you're going to pay for some of the essential things that you're going to have to pay for in the, in the coming days or weeks. Watching your favorite team and knowing that somehow, some way, they are going to let you down again. It is the life of most sports fans, to be honest, because most teams don't win the championship every year. That feeling that you're not doing anything of value with your life. And yet day in and day out, it's just kind of the same thing. Like, what am I doing? Looking at somebody else's life and thinking it's so great. And you're sitting here thinking, ah, I wish my life could look like that. And for real, it feels like it's just hard to, hard to grasp onto hope sometimes. Every single one of us, we will go through stages in life where, where, where that's just where we're at. Like, I, I want to have hope. I would love to have hope every single day. But circumstances are just kind of making it difficult. But here's the thing, I know I get excited about a lot of things. Shouldn't, shouldn't my hope in Jesus be something that I'm excited about? Because there's a lot of things I get excited about. I listen to a podcast or an, a book on Audible that I really like, and I can't wait to tell people about it. I find a serial that I really like. I can't wait to tell people about it. Some t- at some point during the pandemic, uh, Autumn Hopkins and me, we rediscovered the serial O's. I don't know if you've ever had O's before. 
they are the most sugary, delightful things that you've ever had in your entire life. And we found out, like, I think both of us had stayed away from it for a while because it had high fructose corn syrup in it. I, I try to stay away from it if I can. And then they started making it without it. So I tell everybody. So now it, go to the store, and it's a cheap box of cereal. Go and buy it, and then tell me next week how incredibly good it is. It's amazing. I find a good TV show, and it comes up in conversation. So, what about our hope in Jesus? Is this, is this not a hope that's worth telling people about? Honestly, some of you, you might come in here, you're, you're struggling to find that hope in Jesus. Like, you would tell people about it if you really thought it was great, but right now you're just like, I don't know. It doesn't feel the best. It can be hard to find the excitement inside of us to share this hope because frankly our hope sometimes feels far removed circumstances in life has a way to do that when i think about hope uh, when i think about what real hope looks like one of the people in the bible that comes out to me that stands out to me the most is paul the apostle um, just for those who maybe don't know kind of the story of paul paul was a religious leader in the time around when jesus was doing his ministry and so what that meant is at the same time that, that these people started to follow this, this thing called the way, they were starting to follow this guy named Jesus, this religious leader named Paul, couldn't, he just couldn't stand it. He wanted nothing to do with the way because it went against all of the religious stuff that he was all about. And so what he actually did is he started to go and see to it that other Christians were being killed. He would go into a town and, and he would kind of give his... He'd give people the, yeah, go ahead and kill them. They're, they're Christians. They're not, do, they're not doing what they should do based on the religion, our religion. And there was an, a time where he was on a, on a road walking to a town named Damascus. And something crazy happened. This bright light shone down on him. He heard the voice of Jesus. And from that moment forward, he, was, he became a follower of Jesus. His life was, was radically transformed by an incredible, incredibly radical situation on that road. And from that point on, he actually became one of the leaders of, of this new church. So much so that he wrote like a third of the New Testament that we read. Um, this guy became completely committed to this hope that he found in Jesus. And so I want you to listen to what he says in 2 Timothy 1, verses 7 and 8. He says, For the Spirit of God gave us for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel in the power of God. How in the world can this guy who is going through so much stuff be full of hope? What is the stuff that he's going through? Paul has been put in prison. At this point, this is like at the end of his life. He's been put in prison multiple times because he doesn't shut up about Jesus. He's been beaten multiple times. This dude has suffered greatly. And, and when he's writing this, uh, most of the, the scholars actually think that this was the second time that he was in a prison in the city of Rome. And it was actually shortly before the time where he actually was going to be martyred for his faith in Jesus. And still, he is speaking hope in this passage. And why can Paul have this hope? And I think really there's, there's one answer to why he can have this hope. There is a difference between the hope that Jesus offers and what we typically think of when we hear the word hope. 
Now, honestly, I actually think, looking at this passage, I think we should have actually made up a word in English for the kind of hope that Paul was talking about in this passage. Because it's completely different from the, from the kind of hope that, that we tend to think of. We think of hope as the things that we wish for. Um, you know, we say things like, man, I hope it stays, I hope it's nice weather in the morning so I can go out for a bike ride. That is not the kind of hope that Paul is talking about in this passage. I, I think, man, I hope the costs of weddings are, are shared between the girl and the boy's families by the time that my four daughters get married. Because I don't want to pay for that at all. Um, totally fine if they just elope. No, I'm not. I shouldn't say that. Uh, it was my daughter, Finley. It was her birthday yesterday. She turned seven years old. And for her, hope was, man, I, I hope that I can go to Five Below and, and get a bunch of stuff that's going to break in two weeks. Hope, a lot of times, for us, is the things that we wish for, the things that we want. And all these things that we hope for, they have the possibility of not ever happening. They have the possibility of letting us down. I, I'm telling you, if, I, if I'm going to have to pay for four weddings full out, I am going to be let down big time. Like, I want my kids to get married, but I really want her family to help pay for it. Right? Because what's going to happen, it's not actually going to be me that's going to get let down, though. My kids, they're going to they're gonna look, and my girls are going to be like, oh, Dad, that wedding cake is awesome. I want to get that. And I'm going to be like, I'm going to look at the price. I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going I'm to bake your wedding cake for you. And you're going to like it. Because that is not happening. I'm not baking that thing. The things that you and I wish for, uh, in this world that we live in, we are going to get let down so often. But there's something different about the hope that we have in Jesus. Just something different. The hope that we have in Jesus, it doesn't do this. It doesn't let us down. In Jesus, hope becomes the confident expectation of what God has promised. And its strength is in his faithfulness. It's this confidence of what we're going to have in Jesus. But his faithfulness gives us the strength to have that confidence. It has literally nothing to do with the circumstances that we find ourselves in. My hope in Jesus has literally nothing to do with the circumstances that I find myself in. And for the average Christian, though, I think our hope is more like a wavering belief that maybe it's all going to work out in the end. You ever feel like that's kind of what your hope is? Like, ah, oh, hopefully this is going to be okay. But a confident expectation? Like, what, what in the world does that look like for us? Again, Paul was sitting in a prison cell for the second time in the city of Rome. Not the second, this is like way more than two times he's been in a prison cell. Sometimes for up to like two years. And he's speaking this hope. He's, his death is on the horizon. He says, for the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That is a hope right there that cares nothing about the circumstance that you find yourself in in life. That's a hope that is always looking confidently ahead to a promise that is seen as a sure thing because it's a confidence that's found and placed in a Jesus who has proved himself to be a sure thing. But for most of us, this kind of hope, it does not come naturally. I don't know about you, but I tend to be, I, I think I... I'm fairly optimistic, but there's certain things in life that I am not optimistic about. Uh, 
And the kind of optimism that you see, the kind of hope that you see here that Paul has, it is abnormal. It is on a whole other level from what you and I usually experience. It's a hope that comes through an abnormal experience of, of Jesus. You know, again, he was, he was on a road go, walking to this place where he was going to see to it that Christians were killed. And this bright light shines down on him. And a, a voice speaks out to Paul. And he decides, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. That is an abnormal kind of experience with Jesus. It takes something abnormal for us to have hope in an abnormal Jesus. Now, you might be saying like, okay, Kellen, I want to have hope. But what you're saying here is like, okay, Paul had this abnormal thing with Jesus. I don't think that God's ever going to shine a light down on me and he's going to speak to me audibly. And you know what? I agree with you. I don't think it's ever going to happen either. But I believe that we can experience Jesus in an abnormal kind of way without that kind of experience. Because when it comes down to it, Jesus himself, the person of Jesus, the character of Jesus, who he is, that in and of itself is abnormal. To find an abnormal kind of hope in Jesus, all I have to do is experience Jesus, who by all means is abnormal. I've never used the word abnormal so much in my life, but I like it. I'm going to start using it more. It's a good word. See, we're talking about the one that we say was born of a virgin girl. We're talking about the one who walked on water. We're talking about the one who, who gave sight to a blind man. We're talking about the one who, who turned water into wine. We're talking about the one who actually brought to death, to life, somebody who had died before. And obviously we're talking about one who himself came from death to life. That is, that is incredibly abnormal. And so I don't think that it was just this road to Damascus experience that changed who Paul was. That transformed his hope to be something that was powerful and life changing. I think when you look at the life of Paul, it's actually when he looks at the power that is in the cross. That is the thing that that draws Paul to this place of incredible, abnormal hope. He says in Philippians 3.10 in the New Living Translation, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know Christ. I want to experience the power that raised him from the dead. So here's the thing. People experience miracles all the time. People, people experience miracles, yet... Their life isn't always changed. Uh, you've probably, maybe you've been in a place before where you've been like, God, if you just do this one thing for me, I promise you, I will, I will follow you every day. I will be in church like for, for at least two weeks in a row. It's going to be awesome. And God does these things for people, and it's so amazing how quickly they forget the miracle that took place. A miracle itself is not enough to transform our lives. There's something about experiencing the true power of who Jesus is. That he was raised from the dead. There's so much power there. Uh, it's a victory over death that means that you and I also get to be a part of this victory over death. No matter what kind of stuff that you are experiencing in your life. When we experience and when we know the power that is in the risen Savior Jesus. There is a hope that is for every single day for every single one of us. No matter what we go through. We can actually experience that kind of hope. Just like Paul. Paul is sitting in a prison cell for the second time. He knows he's about to die. I just think about that. Like, he's still able to find hope. 
And if you look at a couple verses before this, this verse in Philippians 3.10, Verses 8 and 9, Paul says something extraordinary here. He says, I consider anything, everything, a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. He considers everything a loss compared to knowing Jesus. You see, what he's doing here is he is making Jesus the object of his faith, the object of his hope. When other things become the object of our hope, it's really easy for that hope to dissipate. There have been a lot of things in my life that has become the object of my hope at some point in time. Crystal, my, my, who I'm married to, when we were dating, I'm telling you, she was the object of my hope. I felt like, man, if, if something happened to this relationship, I don't know what I'd do. Um, I hate admitting this, but it is, it's definitely true. The Vikings, for some stupid reason, have been an object of my hope as a younger man. I've learned that they can't be. Uh, but Sunday afternoons, when they would lose, man, I would just be upset the whole day. And I'd, like, be mad. It's not worth it, I realized. Because I was mad, like, every Sunday. It was dumb. Can't be the object of my hope. Grades. Can I tell you how much grades were an object of my hope when I was growing up? I was one of those conscientious kids who thought that, I, like I was maybe going to go to jail if I didn't get an assignment in. I can't remember not getting an assignment in one time in my life. And I got a C in art class in fifth grade. I still hate that art teacher. Oh, just there's something that wells up in me like, oh, I can't believe he did that. But grades, grades were, were a, a, an object of my hope. But every object of your hope that is not Jesus will eventually let you down in some way. Every single object of your hope is going to let you down if that object of your hope is not named Jesus. The more that you get to know Jesus and his character, the more that he will prove faithful and trustworthy. I can't say that as I've gotten older that my hope has become less because I've gotten to know Jesus more and he has just shown me more and more and more just how trustworthy he actually is. That's why usually as, as you get along further in your faith, your hope grows a little more because you, you understand the character of Jesus more. Even in ways that you thought that he had failed you, you're able to look back at, at it. Okay, I'm right here right now. I can't see everything the way that I should. But later on down, down the road here, I'm able to look back there and say, oh, that's what God was doing in my life. He was faithful. He was true. He was trustworthy. And maturity says... It gets us to the place where even when I'm in this moment right here, I'm able to start to look down there and realize I, God does have me. I just have to wait to see it. That's why Paul prays this prayer in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. It's probably one of my favorite prayers in the entire Bible. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can I just say this? You don't have to, you don't have to actually be completely optimistic as a Christian. There are things in this world that there is like nothing to be optimistic for about it. Death always sucks. Divorce is always painful. Chronic illness makes every day feel like I don't even want to get out of bed. We don't have to be optimistic in everything, but we can be hopeful. And see, here's one of the annoying things about Christians. We do things like, 
we, we, sometimes we always feel like we've got to put a positive spin on everything. And so we say some of the dumbest stuff ever when people are hurting. You know, somebody loses a family member and, and we say things like, well, God just needed him more, I guess. Can I just tell you, there is nothing more incoherent theologically than that statement. Death stinks. Sometimes we can just say, okay, this is a moment where we don't have to be optimistic in some way. But I can find hope because of who Jesus is. That even in this moment where there's no optimism to be found, I know that the future that God has for me, he is going to redeem all things. That, there's something about that word re redeem this morning that's just sticking out in my head. Whatever moment that you are finding yourself in right now, it's just a moment. God has already redeemed you. God has redeemed that moment. God has redeemed that situation in your life. Sometimes we just have to wait for the fruit of that redemption. Part of what I want us to see today is hope is a trust that is extended into the future. I'm, I'm extending my trust to God into the future. Everything might stink right now, but I'm going to extend trust in the future. That's what hope is. If you're not trusting in the circumstance, it's not about trusting in the circumstances of your life. It's you trusting in, in Jesus, in him being so loving, so abnormal, so death-defeating, that he'll redeem whatever it is that you experience right now here, and he'll make all things better. That's the hope that we have in Jesus, that he is going to bring us redemption. A lot of us know in our heads that Jesus is he's worthy of our trust. Um, but it's a whole other thing to kind of put it into practice. The whole world, there is a whole world out there that cannot buy who Jesus is because they haven't experienced him. They haven't experienced this abnormal Jesus like we've experienced him. And I'm telling you, I think that a hope like we have, if it really truly is hope, it's got to be a hope that's worth sharing. The hope that we have has to be a hope worth, that's worth sharing. I, I, I compare it to this. When I was in grade school, um, I never wanted anybody to know if I had a crush on a girl. There was something in me like I, I couldn't admit that I had a crush on a girl or whatever. Because I was always worried. Someone would be like, Callan wants a girlfriend. I don't know why I felt, felt that. Maybe that's because I would do that to people back then. I don't know. There was something in me I couldn't. It wasn't until like eighth grade that I finally admitted to a human that I liked somebody. But then something happened when I met Crystal. I'm telling you, I, I like try to tell people in the world how much I like her. If she let me, I would, I would like kiss her a lot more in public. And, probably, and I know it's too much information, but probably way more passionately than you'd want to see. All right? Because I, I have no problem with people knowing like, yeah, he likes that girl. Yeah, I do. I like her a lot. And that's, that really should be more what our hope in Jesus looks like. Not kissing. No, not that part. But the, the hope that we've got this incredible thing that I just, I have to tell people about it. Is that hope welling up inside of you about Jesus that, man, I want people to know this with everything in me. I want people to know about this, this Jesus that I get to serve. So I want to read a verse to you. This is from Acts 1.8. It says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
You see, we get to be witnesses about Jesus to other people. We get to be ambassadors for Jesus, representatives of Jesus to other people. And the truth is, if we are not that to the world around us, nobody is going to be that to, to this world. We are, called, we are called to share this hope that we have. But many times we act in regards to Jesus like I acted in regards to the crushes that I had in elementary school. We don't really want to put it out there. You know, what are they going to say? Uh, what will people think about me? If I pass them a note, will they check the box that I like Jesus too in class? Well, you don't really do that. It was a reference to what you do in grade school. I don't know if you caught that, okay? But we don't, we don't want to put it out there all the time. We think maybe that it's too, it's a private thing that I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't bring this up. But what we want to do right now at Central is we want to encourage you to tell your story. Tell your story about what it is that Jesus has done in your life. Now, telling your story, it could look like how, you know, the the story of of Paul when he was on that road and God got a hold of his life and transformed it. It might be something that God has done in you in the past week. That God did something that showed you a little bit more again of who he is. But we want to encourage you to tell your story. Um, so there's a couple ways that we want you to, to get to that place where you're sharing the hope that you have. I want you to think about just one thing that God is doing in your life recently. Think through one thing that God has been doing. And the challenge for today is go and share that one thing that God has been doing in your life. Share it with your spouse or share it with a family member. Share it with a close friend. Um, just get it out there. Start sharing these stories about your hope. Because what happens is the more that you share the stories, the easier it is to begin to, to continue sharing these stories. Um, but I'll encourage you to, to do what you can to, to just share these stories. Um, the truth is every human heart needs hope. And yet so many of the people in our lives on a day-to-day basis are living without hope. Every human being has questions. And yet so many walk away without having the answers for life that we have in the person of Jesus. Every human has unmet, unmet needs un, and hidden hearts that are deep within their, their heart. And yet so many of us walk around and we hold on to the truth of the one who has met our needs and who has healed our hurts. And we don't put it out there for people. So today, here's a couple questions. Worship team, you guys can come up uh, and play some music behind me. Hey there. Hey, buddy. Today, are you letting the hope of Jesus speak into every difficulty that you run up against in your daily life? Has the hope of Jesus become more powerful than the circumstances that you find yourself wading through every single day? And if not, all I can do is encourage you to seek after Jesus and seek after the power that is found in the resurrection of Jesus on the cross. There is something about that when we, when we come to understand Jesus in all of his fullness, like that Ephesians verse uh, passage was talking about. When we understand him in his fullness, something powerful takes place in our heart. If you're experiencing Jesus in such a beautiful way, in a powerful way in your life, my question is, are you sharing that experience with the people around you? Would your neighbor know that you have placed your hope in Jesus completely? Um, I absolutely love, I don't know if I've said this before yet, but uh, four or five weeks ago when we had our, our big homecoming weekend, 
Um, my daughter Finley, she has just fallen in love with one of our neighbors. He's a, he's a guy, a couple houses down. He might, I don't know, he might be 75 years old, something like that. He walks his dog every day. He'll be walking his dog, and Finley, she's seven now, she, she'll literally run out the front door and say hi to him and go pet the dog. Well, she wanted to go over and invite him to church for homecoming. And they came. And the, just the fact that they know, uh, maybe they never come back. I don't know. But the fact that they know that this little girl loves Jesus and loves them because she loves Jesus, that's powerful. When people come up with the questions in their lives and they don't know where the answers are, are they going to think that you could have the answer because you've shared your hope in Jesus? That's all, that's all this is about, sharing your hope in Jesus, finding your hope in Jesus. Maybe you don't have your hope squarely in Jesus today. Seek after him. I'm telling you, the more you seek after him, he's proven himself faithful, that he will show himself incredibly trustworthy. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.